Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking your tail alive with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the Herald, and the quest, the past. Uh, the last couple episodes were rather tumultuous as our heroes made their way back to Enton, uh, had a lot of uh, digestion of uh, current events and past events and things we kind of haven't seemed to have really come to grips with. Uh, Anton feels a certain strange feeling about his gods, and uh, Kalika feels a certain strange way about mom and everybody else, I suppose. Um, the uh, rest of the party seems to be doing okay, except for Ock, who got his head sludged in by Anton in the last couple episodes. The party uh, hop onto their flying vessel, knowing that it's time to go to Firmor to go find our friend the Lich, Thrindil. Um uh, in their flying little uh, uh, vessel here, they uh, made their way up into the skies where they encountered a very strange uh, cloud giant and his family, uh, where they found out the unpleasant reality is that uh, he has been, as well as his brother, uh, betting on the success or failure of the party. Uh, not great, but he was willing to help out and get the party uh, where they were supposed to be going, which, from what he explained to you, is... Uh, a city, a port city known as Galad Bay. Galad Bay seems to be the one sort of a uh, beacon of uh, hope out here in the frozen wastes of Faramore. So, yeah. Um, I did the math, by the way, and uh, get ready for this, because this math could be totally and utterly wrong, but it should be as true as the sun rising in the east. Um, the I tried to do the math for how many actual in-game days we've played, and uh, just because we haven't really done a good job of keeping track of it, how many days do you guys think we've gone through in this campaign, including the two weeks uh, of the time difference through the uh, Plane of Immortals? I want to say it's been like at least six months. I yeah, thought it's, it's been, been an entire year. I thought we got through like every season, but maybe not because I know we started in the spring went through summer or did we start in the fall we did start in the fall that's that why i'm like and what in the fall, like went through winter so now it's almost not spring, so not quite half a year yeah eight months it's uh it's been 205 days as far as i've been able to estimate it which is what seven months no it's... so not far off 
But yeah, so luckily you guys are headed to one of the most treacherously cold places in the world uh, on the onset of summer, like the midway point in summer. So for what it's worth, I mean, hey, you picked the best time to uh, find yourselves here, I guess. I was doing all the rulings and everything for like, oh, the frigid waste and the deathly cold. And I'm like, actually, you guys come in on a nice summer breeze. It's about 60 degrees as you fly in on the wave wraith over the uh, city of Gallad Bay. Uh, looking in on this place, you can tell that the uh, the city is quite well alive with a lot of action, a lot of hustle and bustle, as dozens of ships have left the many harbors of the city and are kind of floating around the uh, the bay, the area that it's in. Um, you can tell a lot of these vessels are fishing vessels, and a lot of these buildings have plenty of smoke drifting out of their various chimneys and all ends. But when I say this is a city... Um, it's not a tremendously sized city. Like when you think about places like being in Ascabellum and being in like, you know, Eagle Heart and things like that, seeing like major cities, this is a city uh, relative to its location. So this is a very well walled in and condensed city with many walls like circling its way out as if the city kind of built over time. But um, yeah, overall, Lots of wood, a lot of thatched roofs, but it's a pretty basic sort of setup here. Not much of anything interesting, though in the center of this place, there's a very massive sort of longhouse. And this longhouse has like a very stacked up like four story build of just like, you know, buttresses and whatnot, making a very interesting shape overall, almost looking kind of like a... Uh, uh, like a side blade where there's sort of like, you know what I mean? Like the one major pyre in the middle and to the sides are smaller pyres, but overall the building is very wide. Um, but apart from that, uh, the party have the opportunity to, to fly sort of into the city and Jarzak being the captain of this vessel. I feel like you need to tell me how it is that you want to come into this place. Firamore is far from as uh, is far from Amaroth. And it is definitely not under their rule. So you will not be as respected here walking in as if you're heroes of a foreign land. So I just want to say that much so you don't, you know, come movie star on your way in on a flying dog. Coming in hot. Uh, I mean, I, you said I can go right into the city, right? I mean, the way I picture this, we are at the moment where the vessel has officially taken off from the Flying Citadel, and you guys are kind of like drifting in lazily. So the question is, are you going to try to like land in the water and try to like flow up to the port? Or are you going to try to land in the fields outside the city and just walk in? Or uh, I mean, the, this ship can still go in the water, right? So yeah, I'll land in the water. Okay, so with that, the uh, the vessel gently glides down, circling lower and lower until it hits the surface of the water, where the blimp begins to sort of uh, un uh, how do I want to say deflate, and it starts to kind of get slurped into like the holding cells on the sides. And as this vessel is sort of drifting lazily towards the ports here on the uh, outside of the city, you guys can tell that. Uh, a group of fishing vessels have already kind of begun to circle your vessel, the Wave Wraith. Um, and as they start pulling up, the first thing that you notice, I guess probably catches your eye, is the variety of sizes of individuals on any of these boats. And these fishing boats are definitely not small by any means, 
But when you see ogres and halflings and humans all on the same vessels, it's definitely a little strange at first to see it, especially when like the fishing boats kind of like begin to like tilt in the direction of wherever the ogres are sitting on them. And you see like halflings kind of holding onto the railings for dear life as the boats begin to shift and tilt. But as you guys start floating in, people immediately begin to circle your vessel with their fishing boats. So what would you like to do? Wave. Wraith. Wave Wraith <laughs> is the boat we're on. <laughs> what did I say? I don't know. I don't listen to you when you talk. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> You're the captain, don't forget, Jared. Yeah. Uh, how far away are they from us? Full 100 feet. It definitely seems like they're taking a wide breadth of your vessel, but they're slowly circling around. To pull steam ahead to the docks, then, I guess. Okay. And so as you try to do so, uh, one of these boats on the left side, somebody shouts out and yells, What are you doing? I gotta... Gotta park the boat. <laughs> he yells back out and he says, Are you permitted to park in such a place? You don't also call it parking. You don't park boats. <laughs> yes, you do. God. Did you use your blinker? I have my boating license. Where's your boating license, Ryan? Uh huh. What am I supposed to anchor my vessel off the starboard bow? Dock it. There's a specific word for when you stop using your boat and you leave it somewhere. Also, yeah, you park, park it, it at the dock. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Go ahead, pull out your boat license, Ryan. Look okay, out, brother. Be back in a minute. No, he won't. He won't. Yeah, anyway, Clica no, falls I'll... off the boat. She can't swim, so she dies. Um. Uh, the immortals will cry everlasting. How do I go? How do I get permission? They all just look absolutely confused as you guys just flew in from the sky and landed in the water. So nobody really knows. One of the voices chimes in. They say, Tamail, Tamail Elkhorn, he's the wharf master. He'll know what to do. He knows how to park the boats. <laughs> oh, yeah, then I, I'll talk to him when we dock. No, you mean the parking garage master? <laughs> if we're parking the boat, we don't need a wharf master. Right. So with that, uh, the I guess the team of gnomes begin to row the row the boat off to the uh, to the port there on the side. Um, and as you do, the fishing vessels just slowly circle following in behind you. And it does seem like at this point, it's not necessarily curiosity that's driving these people to follow you as much as it seems like a sense of defensiveness. As you can tell, like not one vessel has really taken like their eyes off of you. And nice. many of them appear to be armed, though, with simple weapons. You know, guys, I think they're going to try and jump us. Let's get ready to fight. I think you mean Shanghai. 
Go ahead. Oh, is Ryan still going to his boating license? I'll go get mine too. We can pause the podcast. It's okay. Can can I just do an insight just to see like do they seem like they're gonna actually cause a fight with us or they're just more being proactively cautious? You roll for the insight on it. How many ships can you take out with your fire? I got 17. 17 whole freaking ships. Um, a 17, again, j- just looking at their body language and looking at how they're kind of like turning their heads left and right over and over and looking just all over the ship and where they're going. Everybody seems so confused that if this was to be an attack, it seems like they would definitely have more of a single-minded approach to their efforts. So the fact that they look to be much more curious than anything... It definitely seems like this is more of them just being defensive of their home. Okay. I just looked through so as... Yeah. Anton just turns the door a second. He says, I, I don't think they they want to fight, but so you're I thinking think we need to make sure that it's clear that we don't want to fight either. Oh, I was going to, I thought you were thinking what I was thinking and we should get the jump on them. No, I don't. I don't think that's the case they, today. They don't. They don't want to fight. No, I, I also, think they're just. I was just going to say, I do think it's a little funny that the two leaders of like the seaside nations that are closest to Fearmore are the two that are discussing possibly attacking them in their own harbor, like just showing up with a flying boat and fireballing the harbor. And potentially flying away to do a dealing with their arch nemesis, the lich who lives in the snowy waste of the north. This is a little problematic from just a geopolitical kind of thing going on here, but you know, I mean, however, you guys want to play out your fantasy. Wait a minute, we did not like plan a full fledged attack there. I don't know what your assumptions you're making, but that's not the case. I'm just listening to the captain of the boat, okay? Oh, so we could just fly right to the lich, right? I don't think we know anything about him. I think we got to learn some know. stuff first from the locals. <laughs> I'm sure they like talking about it. Um, so with that, the Wavery pulls up to the docks to park their boat. And as they put in their emergency brake and make sure it doesn't go rolling back. Um, I'm just trying to see how many car things I can put in there. Uh, Jarzak pulls out his key fob, hits the lock button, and it chirps back at him as he gets out. The valet shows up in his red vest. No, um, as the uh, party dock, um, a group of people have already prepared themselves at one of the, the docks that you pulled up at. And a gentleman comes marching off to uh, where you guys are pulling up. He seems to be likely not a day over 30 or 35, um, though his hair is long and yellow. He's got it pulled into something of a ponytail. He has very high breeches, high boots. This is a man who's built for the water. And as you guys approach, he toots a horn that he has at his side, and he does like a hailing hand What's symbol that sound as you like? guys come. Okay. Who are you asking me? Anthony, quick, do a toot. Yeah. <laughs> toot, toot. Man, that dude's horn is sick. <laughs> Anton blows back. Immediately, the people march into battle. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, if you wanted to take over this town, it's a great... Anyway, um, but as you guys begin to uh, float towards the dock here, um, he calls out and he says, 
From where do you hail? Gorgareth. Immediately. Nice. No, all, all over the <laughs> dock begin to like prepare themselves as if being raided by a team of orcs or something like that. People immediately look like they're going to start Quick, taking cast, defensive positions. Cast darkness. They'll think it's the drow. <laughs> Those damn oceanic drow. Oh no, sea drow. Uh, I am from the halls of silver and steel. It doesn't look like any of them have heard of this place. We are. My name is Anton. This is the rest of my party, Norhill, Jarzak, and Klika. We come from Amaroth. We were looking for questions, but Anton just trying to look as non-lethal as possible. He says, we only come for information. We mean no harm or trouble to your port town. Turn the safety on my lantern. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, um, the the yellow-haired man turns to you and he says you speak of asking questions of me and my people in my humble town here and yet you come from Gorgareth I'm supposed to trust this war loving orc as he comes into my port with his battleship I mean we we can take it back up and park it in the town if you want they look so so threatened by this, and they all begin to kind of like rustle around, like getting ready for something. And he says, I've killed a hundred orcs if I've killed one, and I'm not afraid to kill another yeah, one. I have too. It's a good time. They look very they look very confused by that statement and think you misspoke, implying it was humans. So they all start <laughs> to look even more scared. Darzak, do you really like war that much? I never th- heard you talk about war really. Clica, no, it's terrifying. Oh, war never I, changes. I'm. I gotta. I gotta look strong. I'm the captain. You're also a wrong. king, but I mean, captain is pretty important. Which is more important? Clica still hasn't quite figured it out. Because it seems like everybody here, like all Clica's friends, are kings. So, but you're the only one who's a captain. Do you want to be the captain? Of what? It's a, it's a lot of power. Of what? The uh, he just the man on the <laughs> signals to the oh, way. For it. <laughs> the uh, the man on the dock says, "If you do not turn around and leave this port, I'm afraid we will have to attack. Defending ourselves is not something we're afraid to do. Well, we're not about to attack you." So there's no reason to defend. We come in peace. I am the only I am the only orc on board. You don't have to worry about me. You don't know that. One of those gnomes could also have been experimented on. We'll leave them on the boat underneath <laughs> so that no one knows. They're gonna start passing around gnome diseases. These people won't know what hit them. Um but, uh, okay, can you roll me a persuasion check? I'll give you advantage, because you definitely seem to be acting the part, even though you 
earlier claimed you would land your boat in the city if you had to. A uh, twenty-six. Okay, so with that, the uh, the man with the yellow hair seems to lower his his uh, demeanor on this one, and he starts walking over on the over onto the uh, dock near where you guys would be um, dropping your little uh, little uh, what's it called the little ladder there to get off the boat. And as he walks over to greet you guys, as you are fully pulled into the uh, harbor here, he, with his hands on his hips, says, And what might I call you again? I am Jarzak. Jarzak, you gotta tell him you're king if you're actually king. It's entrapment if you don't. Uh, I'm Jarzak Gethvencor, king of the orcs. And with that, everybody around looks shaken and terrified by that mention but the guy who's been speaking to you says if this is true this is a monumental occasion my name is Tamale Tamale Elkhorn I am the wharf master of the city of Gallad Bay well it's a pleasure to meet you is there any is is this a good spot for the boat? Can we park here? It's actually not called parking. I can tell that as a new captain, you probably wouldn't know this, but it's actually called <laughs> docking. Like not to just... be mistaken for what happens at the bathhouses, but it's is different, but it's it's similar. Clica oh. just nudges Norhill in the ribs and Norhill, look, he's He's diplomatizing. He's doing it. Darzak has grown. I'm proud. Well, so may we dock our boat here? The the fisherman said we needed permission or something. I I he don't says, know how we could have got permission before we got here, though. That's that's like impossible. He kind of looks a little bit uh how do I say this? Embarrassed. Yeah. And he just sort of puts his hands up and he says. There's no need for further permissions, he says, as as Wharfmaster. He says, I give you complete and utter welcome into my into my port, and you have my welcome to the city. He says, whatever Lord Amthar has to say about it is his business. But as far as I can say it, it appears like you are a good person, and your crew are welcomed here. Perfect, thank you. Uh, can you point us to your lord? and perhaps an inn. With that, he says, I will send for some guards to come assist you in your travels. Oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. And so with that, as you uh, hop off the uh, boat, he extends a handshake to you before giving you a goodbye, um, grabbing you on your forearm instead of at your hand. I was going to say, Jarzak hits it like a high five. <laughs> Just it slaps works. his forearm. <laughs> ah. uh, he's, he's like, salmon. Sorry, um, that's so the that, first time anyone's put their hand out like that to me. He's like, very well. Okay. And so with that, after about 20 minutes of the crew sort of stabilizing the boat and getting it ready, unloading your necessary needs here. Uh, what are the party going to leave behind on the boat? My innocence. <laughs> Good. 
Do the, the uh, party take all his like his backpack with all his like essentials and his weapons and everything? He doesn't know. He is. He's like, we can't trust that we're gonna make it back to that boat. And Anson's like a little worried about that. I don't know. They're in a totally different land now. They're in the north. He doesn't like the cold. He's already getting a bad. Oh, you know, he hates the people who live there. He's just trying to be prepared. Like, puts I don't the see him on. as the kind of guy who just leave a ton of his stuff on the boat thinking it'll come back. Because at I, that point, why would they stay in inn? Can't they just live on the boat? I don't think that they're going to take that risk of you know, harming the boat or our crew. Uh, but they'll probably want to search it, if nothing. So I wouldn't leave anything on there that's especially valuable. Lika takes her diary then. Dear Lord, I forgot I had that sword that turns into like a <laughs> sun. Well, it would if you believed in your god, you godless <laughs> heathen. <laughs> I know. I really forgot. And as far as staying on the boat, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'd prefer to sleep in a proper bed as much as I can. As much as I can. The boat smells like Jarzak's feet. Cleek is just gonna say it. Well, fair enough. Um, yeah. Guilty as charged, I guess. The boat smells fine. <laughs> but the, the gnomes will look after the boat. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah Norhill's going to carry most of his normal gear, except for some of the heavier and bulkier tools and whatnot. Okay. And uh, Conrail, lucky dog, the first mate, also is going to be standing in on the ship with the crew and be looking after everything. Yeah, I mean, Clico travels pretty lightly, so she's just taking everything she normally takes. Okay. So, uh, with that, the party uh, meet with a group of four separate guards who all, very interestingly, do not have spears at their sides, but instead have two-handed greatswords. Um, each of them wearing horsehair-plumed helmets and uh, pretty rigid-looking leather armor. The group of them, uh, as they approach the party, say, or at least the one in the front says, is this the entire party that will be leaving the vessel? Uh, yeah. No shore leave for the gnomes. No. The um, gnomes, so with the that... gnomes get a little crazy when we let them out, so <laughs> they stay put. Did you imagine if that was true? Like you let them out and just start attacking the locals. It's like this is why we can't go on vacation. Um, but the four of them lead you guys uh, up the uh, up the uh, stairs there at the uh, docks, and lead you to sort of the uh, main streets to the city. And as you guys leave the harbor. Uh, you enter what could be described as being a major marketplace as there are dozens of stalls set up. Coming here at this time of season is is great um, since so many travelers are able to come here. It's, it's one of those things that the cold does not bar people from coming in. So the fact you guys came at this time of year, it definitely seems beneficial um, 
I don't know. Says it definitely seems like this was the best time to come here, as travelers and strange vessels have been much more welcomed. But if you came here in the den of winter, probably would have been a different story. But looking around and seeing all these stalls and all the businesses around the circle here, the guards lead you towards one massive building. That's another one of those sort of like three-story conical uh, plumed um, longhouse sort of buildings here, and one of them, uh, one of the guards here, the one who's been sort of talking to you the most. He leans in and he says, this, if you are to stay at an inn, is likely the inn you'd want to stay at. This is the first ship home. If you go in there and ask for Engrid, Engrid is a nice woman. She'll probably give you a good deal. And um, one of the guards kind of leans in to you guys and he says, I would not recommend you stay at one of the ogre establishments. For what it's worth, I don't think they would take kindly to your kind here. Well, well, I know. Everybody seems then, to get along here. The guard in the front just kind of gives him a stern look and he says, it's none of his business and it's nothing to be concerned with. This, the first ship home, is a fine enough establishment. You will find everything you need here. Now, you also wanted to see about meeting the Lord? Yes. Very well. We will see what we can do. And so with that, they merch you off for an hour or so to the center of the city. And um, in the center, this massive longhouse that you guys had seen from the sky above is encircled by its own wall, uh, as well as a troop of guards at the front gate. And as you guys approach, the guards mentioned that you travelers would like to have some sort of a meeting with the Lord. And one of the uh, gentlemen at the gate here goes marching off up the hill and goes off to the building in order to try to put in something of request. The guards tell you that it's likely not going to be today that you would be able to meet with him and instead says that you'd probably have to wait a couple days. He's a busy person with a lot going on and especially meeting with people such as yourselves, he'd probably want to have himself prepared a bit before that. So they recommend that at this time of day, you probably either go sightseeing which involves spending money at the market, or you just go over to the inn and uh, they'll send somebody over to come pick you up. So what would the party like to do? So where do you think we'll get better information regarding the Lich, the inn? I mean, we could no. do both. Head to the market, ask some guards go to the inn find out as much as we can before we meet the lord think i wouldn't mind doing some shopping i wouldn't go causing a panic just asking random people about the lich i would suggest speaking to sages and chroniclers instead well the guard didn't tell us where to find those so that won't be something sensitive to ask about We start with the market. Uh, Norhill doesn't have any money to go to the market, so he'll uh, stay at the inn in case anybody needs his help. Okay. So um, the party go all the way back to where they had come from uh, near the harbor to the main marketplace there. And um, yeah, I mean, the market is full of uh, patrons as well as carts and people selling things. 
it definitely seems like uh, this place is at its peak of hustle and bustle as people at every corner are shouting about the different things that you can buy from them, including cheap, light and warm clothing, including things like new tools, cheap things to keep your house warm, various stuff like that. It's definitely much more of like a practical marketplace than anything. It seems like this is uh, a lot of things come from the Southlands and to the East that are uh, meant to make life easier rather than a bunch of frivolous things. Granted, there are tons of frivolous things, but it definitely seems like this is a market designed for very practical people. Yeah, I was going to ask if there was like a certain specialty good that seems to be like the highlight of the market or something. There was one or like some group of goods that was well known from this area. Yeah, um, what you definitely pick up on um, from having uh, come here uh, and uh, met with the guards as they led you in. One thing you know for certain is this is definitely a fishing city, but it's also a whaling city. And so there are definitely plenty of places where you could buy scrimshaw bones and whatnot, as well as elaborate flutes and wind chimes and various musical instruments crafted from said bones. But there's also a lot of like, I don't want to say this, decorative things that you could hang from like your house made from old antlers and discarded bones and hooves and things like that. So it's definitely, again, it's practical stuff, but you can tell that there's sort of the inklings of um, a lot of uh, superstition kind of woven into the fabric of their day-to-day goods. And as you pass a lot of these houses that are sort of the A-frame homes and a lot of them built into the ground, if not double-story ones that are A-framed, you can tell that a lot of them do have like animal creature, uh, animal statues and whatnot, sort of either sculpted and left out front or built into the very boughs of the buildings or there are sort of, like I said, those dangling antler sort of dealios hanging. Garzak, you should get some wind chimes for the wave wraith. Oh my god. That's that's an excellent idea, Klika. So Jarzak will go up to the, the stall with the wind chimes and uh, how much for these ones? So a little old ones. a little old woman who seems to have still some flecks of golden hair coming out from the silver of her long hair pulled back in a tight braid looks to you guys from a astonishing height of about four and a half feet. And as she looks up at you guys, she smiles to you warily and says, well, these aren't wind chimes. These are peacemakers. These are discarded from the reindeer. If you hang these outside your house, you need not fear the witches. What if I hang it outside my boat? Same thing. She, she begins to cackle and giggle to herself. She says, you have a great sense of humor. But, but I, I only have a boat. I don't have a house. The king of Gorgareth, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he just parks his boat on his property. He's like, I lost the key years ago. I don't have a home. Just makes the oryx <laughs> drag it up from the harbor, even though it can fly. <laughs> We're going to make are it a there... mobile home, goddammit. Are there really witches? And so she she chuckles to herself and she says, indeed, there are many a coven out here. It would seem that as of late, the coven has sort of gone quiet. The one that's closest to us 
but it's hard for us to shake off the dark tendrils of the one known as the Butcher. She, she still walks the snow. Can I do a history check? Like a long, like a long shot of a history check? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to tell me it's a long shot. <laughs> I got a nat 20. Oh, shit, I got a 22. Okay, so I mean, your your knowledge of this, I would imagine, likely comes from, I, I don't know where the fuck Klika got it from, but I know Anton definitely heard it from living on the coast and having people from Fearmore come down for, for trade and whatnot. The idea of the hags in this region, this butcher, I suppose, we'll, we'll save the butcher part for last, the hags out here. They're definitely a thing. And the fact that historically they've always kind of lived on the outskirts and lived in like the swamps to the southern reaches of Fairmore. Um, hags definitely orient in covens out here just for not only their own safety, but their own power. But this one known as the Butcher, I guess, has just kind of had a certain local legendary to it. The original name, which just for the sake of stomachs, this old lady probably wouldn't have said, but you guys know that her true name is the Baby Butcher. Because many people have had their infants snatched out of windows and out of little baby cribs. Um, and what they've found left behind were splotches of blood or worse things. But basically, children have always had sort of a really rough time living in a in a Faramore out of fear of the butcher. Crindia the butcher is her name. But... Yeah, essentially, she's been around just as long as the city has. Some say that the fact that the walls have gotten higher is just to try to keep her out for fear that she may be shape-shifting into animals that can't climb up and over them. But, yeah, people believe that the reindeer, um, what's it called, the the antlers hung outside of the house, act as sort of a, uh, I don't know what it says, a deterrent for whatever her flying form may be, flying into the homes to take the babies. But... Yeah, needless to say, even though Crindia the Butcher is definitely the most popular name, there's any number of hags that are titled like her and do similar things. Sick, but what was the name of this town again? I know you said it twice, but it wasn't around the right town. Gallad Bay. Great. Thanks. Now, do I know from... Like, are hags, like, they're, like, they're intelligent, right? They're, like, me, turns out at Klika and Orhel, they just have evil intentions, or are they a little more creature-like they in are, the head? They are, they're fey. They're just oh. twisted fey critters. So they are very intelligent, very cunning, and very sly. Just, yeah, with a lot of evil behind them. Great. Right. As it just looks at he says, ah, and a little bit of a pained face. He's like, I, I believe I've heard that name before down in Glory Wake. She gives you a very strange, puzzled look as she tilts her head and she says, no shit. No, I'm just kidding. She says, really? From Glory Wake? I haven't mm. heard of too many people traveling from Glory Wake to here as of late. No, Glory Wake has been going through some <laughs> restructuring. <laughs> Yes. Let's say it's restructuring. She says, I had heard of some conflict in the south in Amroth, she says, but I wasn't entirely sure what. 
you know how it is with uh, so many different political ideologies in one place. Every once in a while, people butt heads. Well, um, do you have any charms for boats, then? And with that, she says, no, but my nephew might have something you'd like. Do they make noise? I mean, no, but we could we could change that. Clica starts to cry a little bit. It's it's okay. Um, she says, if you'd like to, he's a he's a fisherman, but he's long since retired. Uh, yeah. So wh- where is he? So she leads you to the wharf again and leads you to one of these big uh, sort of warehouse looking kind of buildings with a few different boats that are being worked on outside of it um, and sort of a shipwright kind of deal. But as she leads you down there, she walks in and mentions to him on the inside what's going on. And this big burly looking guy who's definitely over the hill, kind of pudgy, kind of squishy with a bunch of scars on his arms and his face comes out and he looks you guys up and over and he says, I hear you're looking to buy something. She sort of leans in and says, they want something for their boat, something to keep the evil spirits away. He looks to her, then looks back at you, then looks back at her again, looks back at you guys, squints for a second, and he says, how big's the boat? Uh, How big is the boat? Just point at it. We're at the wharf. Yeah, I'll point at it. Uh, it's it's that big. And I point over to the boat. The gnomes have been flying it through the air. God damn it. Lucky dog children alone. But um, judging by the sides of the vehicle, he uh, he sort of nods a couple times and he says, I think I have an idea of uh, what I could put on there. Yeah, I know. I said vehicle. It's a fucking vehicle, Ryan. Yep. You want to chuckle about that? Of course <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's definitely the word I would use to describe a boat off cuff. I can only say vessel so many times in an episode before I have to start <laughs> putting quarters in a fucking vessel jar, okay? <laughs> so he tells Cleeky to go fuck herself and says it doesn't make noise. But, um, as like he uh, goes bursts into, into the, tears, uh, drowns herself in the sea. Fucking good. Good. I'm glad. Campaign's over, everybody. Time to go home. Go cry on our own time. But <laughs> he uh, leads you into the uh, warehouse and he points up at the wall and you can see something of a, a mounted sort of library of different shark, sort of the uh, jaw bones of sharks up on the uh, wall each one of different size, shapes, and everything. Different bone structures leading you to believe that they found a lot of different sharks out here. But one particular set of jaws is really, really big and looks like it would fit over sort of like the front-facing bow of the boat. Um, And with that, he says, I find it hard to believe that anything of evil intent would come within arm's reach of this vessel with that on there. And for what it's worth... It looks pretty intimidating and terrifying. Teeth about the size of your own hand. So is it like magical warning or does it just look sick? He uh, looks to the little old woman for a moment and he says, you think I'm some sort of magic man? 
So it just looks sick. Yeah. We'll take it. And he says, well, uh, I'm afraid this is sort of uh, one of my favorite pieces that I have. I saw the shark that we killed to get it. Some would say it wasn't, but I know it was a megalodon. A lot of people out here don't know the sharks, apparently. I had to <laughs> inform them with my big book of sharks. <laughs> That's right. I looked up M, megalodon. Um, Pleco wants to the... see the book. <laughs> he says it's in his other warehouse. Um <laughs> <laughs> but he says that such a piece would have to go for at least 1500 gold pieces well, well, alright but do you have any dolphins in here dolphins no I'm afraid I don't have any dolphins in here um, no, but no, he does have no dolphin jaws no, he does have a, a killer whale's jaws in here. Oh. A few of those. Which, those are porpids, right? I don't know. We haven't seen That's the a... fucking book to look these things up. <laughs> they wouldn't be in that book. That book is for fish, not for... That's just for fish? Friends. Why wouldn't you <laughs> It's a book put... of sharks. What kind of fish aren't sharks? God, God damn it, the etymology is killing me. I hate this. This is why yeah. I don't DM games anymore. No, I, th- I think we're good. Without it being a dolphin jaw, they, they really won't know dolphin boys coming. <laughs> he says that he'll give you all the killer whale jaws he has. He only has three sets of them. They're not as impressive, but he'll give them each of them to you for 250 gold pieces of pop. Yeah, I think we're all set. Thanks, bud. He looks, looks very dismayed away. by this. And he says, I'll give it to you for 200 apiece. No, no can do. Buckaroo. Well, that, the old lady rushes up to you guys and says, if you'd like, we could still sell you some of the antlers. I mean, are those also super highly priced? Kind of, yes. Okay, I think we're all set then. There's a penny pinching king. <laughs> this is what get happens to be king when you give all it. of your money to mercenaries several games ago, and, and then Dan hasn't rewarded us with any gold since then. Yep. What gold would you have earned at this point? You guys went flying around with cloud giants, man. You get no money. I don't know. Maybe we find a wandering treasure chest up in the clouds. I didn't think we gave them all of our money, did we? I well, thought I we gave them all. Most. Yeah. Most. I do, don't have enough for a single one of those whale jaws. So, like, yeah. <laughs> well, shit. That's what happens, I guess. So. With that, um, the group leave. Uh, where would you like to head now? Oh, wait, I forgot to ask them about the lich. I'll be right back. No. Click a stop, Jarzak. No, no, Jarzak, probably we had to buy something if we were going to. Seen... 
He's seen a lot of stuff on the ocean. Jarzak, probably we had to buy something at above what they were offering if we were going to do that and not play hard to get and then still not buy anything. So I think we, as the kids say, burned that bridge. Yeah, but they didn't have any... They didn't have any dolphins. I would have I would have found money for that. I'm sure you would have, but <laughs> there's nothing we can do about that now. We can't make them have dolphins any more than we can make them tell us about the ledge. Oh, we tried with the dolphins. We we haven't tried asking about the ledge. That's the order of things, Jarzak. So do we have to ask someone else about the yeah. lids in the market? And we probably have to buy something first. Okay, well, I don't have much on me. Do you? I have fucking candy bar. <laughs> so anyway, the Destroyer of Worlds, how's that shit going? <laughs> My 20 silver's not gonna buy us much. Clicka has like 100 gold. Okay, so we still couldn't have bought anything from those guys. Mm. Jarzak, you're the one who holds the money. This is just Kleeka's pocket money. Yeah, we spent it all, Kleeka. I mean, from what I recall from the Battle of Enton, you guys were going to drain the coffers of the city as well. So you guys weren't going to spend all of your own money. I thought you were just spending a portion of your money and then taking the rest from the coffers. Wait, we also had to spend most of our own in order yeah, to get uh, to the value. The difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like all our gold. <laughs> and look how it paid off. <laughs> two, two units you know, of warriors. It's not about that, Anthony. It's about building a bridge to the dirty yes, bandits of right. the south. I don't regret it. Alright, Click is going to go to the market and try and pawn the potion of invisibility she's had. Are you really? I mean, we, can, we can find a cheaper stall. <laughs> Someone that, like, sells clothes or something cheap. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, just, if you'd like to. We want to be able to spend a bit of money for this, so. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know why the plan has just become we have to buy something to get information, but. Yeah, I mean, we can just ask. We can be fr- friendly. Click, I'm a, I'm a friendly orc. I don't like how hard that sounded for him to say. <laughs> yeah, people really open up to me. As Jarzak looks like the living dead walking on the <laughs> yeah. with a mechanical metal claw. <laughs> they like me. Thinkling. I mean, the that's fine then. Cool. You know what? How about this? Next person, I'll let you pick the person and Jarzak will go ask him. We'll we'll just we're not gonna beat around the bush. That sounds terrible. Let's do it. Hey, if it if it doesn't work, we do your thing and we sell stuff. A single a single ogre comes walking by, gives each and every one of you a dirty look, and starts scratching its butt as it continues walking by. Oh, hello, good day, sir. He looks back to you with a very unpleasant look. 
and speaks something in giant that I guess only Anton understands, but he basically tells you to go um, do some very inappropriate things with a buoy. <laughs> do you know where we can find a lich? He gives you an even more unpleasant look and crosses his arms and stares you down, not phased by you in any way, just stares at you. If you point us in the direction, we'll leave and head that way. He just stands there staring you down. (laughs) You think there may also be a language barrier, but... All right, Jarzak will try a different language. He'll try an orc. Hell yeah. Onlookers begin to crowd around. Okay. (laughs) Someone is slightly... It's in the background. World star... (laughs) <laughs> all right <clears throat> and then Charizard will be like okay well this is a long shot but he'll try again in Infernal okay Excellent. Uh, the, the circling the circling crowd begin to look terrified as you begin to hiss <laughs> in Infernal tones and people look around all kinds of worried and the ogre um, looks slightly intimidated by this display but not to be a uh, uh, put off to look like a wimp for you scaring him talking like a snake demon he starts to get in closer in a more threatening way and starts to hint at a small club on his belt Jarzak will step up he'll he'll chest up Jarzak so this is how you so when you said friendly extremely aggressively earlier is this what you meant he'll now get a little like angry tone with the infernal <laughs> and just tell us where the lich is all right roll for initiative okay 13 i'm sure nothing bad will happen you said Clica's... what 19 13 yeah, but i'll Clica... take a oh, 19 click okay. is not getting involved unless it looks like jarzak's life is in danger Got a 13 as well. well just six little... on the reroll. Jared's like, this is why you should have bought something from him uh, first. Oh, an 18 on the reroll. <laughs> okay, so go ahead. What do you do? As he definitely looks like he's going to arm himself and start to attack you. I hold out my hand out of darkness. Tomoro's luck appears in my hand. Oh, no. You don't want to do this. He still doesn't understand you, Jarzak. Stop taunting him. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't want to translate. Yeah, and I'll swing. Is this how we make friends in this campaign? Uh, Hey, Jarzak said this is how you do it. He did make it pretty pretty clear that uh, that's nine, how you do it. Uh, 19? Watch it 19 total? Yeah. Okay, good. See, when you said that, I thought for a second you were hinting <laughs> that maybe you were close to a very unfriendly number. But yeah, no, you definitely bonked him. So go ahead and roll the damage on it. 11? Non-lethal? Okay. Okay. Yeah, as you smack him... Where did you hit him? Probably like in the in the leg or something like that. I, I mean, how tall is he? 
about 10 feet, right? It probably if he stood upright, hitting him in like the the side, like ribs, gut area. Okay. Yeah, and as you do so, he lets out a grunt, and he yells out in giant. Uh, again, I guess only Anton's the one who understands this. Yeah. But he basically <laughs> starts yelling out for help in giant. <laughs> and not in a way of like, help, I'm helpless, but in like a... Help like, me kick his was... ass. Kind of help. Yeah. It definitely sounds like he's calling for more boys. Was oh, that God. your turn, Jarzak? Uh... What man? Yeah, I don't want to go overboard. <laughs> okay. So with that, yogurt, yeah. Oh, my no, goodness. you've been so reserved so far. <laughs> the ogre pulls from his belt, uh, his club, and he swings in on you. I just got a crit. So, how about that? Excuse me. Okay, so he got 15 points of bludgeoning damage on you as he smacks you upside the head. As you look back at Klinka and say, I don't want to go overboard. <laughs> and he looks back and just gets shafted in the head with a club. The uh, ogre, uh, yeah, basically stands at the ready to start swinging in on you again as he barks out in giantish. Uh, and Anton can hear him say, we've got a live one. One of the guild's boys. Why don't you just tell me where he is? Still in Infernal, because I don't... He doesn't understand anything else, so... I also just appreciate... Like, he has no idea what you're talking about, Jarzak. He's going to bring in someone to kill you. He needs to stop. Um... I also think it's funny. Anton probably could have at any point jumped in and done the translation into Giant. I feel like Klika could have, too, but, you know... No, no. Jarzak said is... he knew how to be friendly. No, we didn't have to spend money. So Klinka's like, all right. Maybe we did have to spend money. So with that, uh, Jarzak, it's your turn. Okay. Uh... Yeah, Jarzak's gonna... After getting hit pretty good, he's gonna hexblade curse him, and then attack. Which makes again. the locals very happy. All right, so you hold up your gauntlet. Jarzak stuff look like now that he's not like it. Like, is it swordsman flavored? Sort of. I mean, it's still got the twinge of the deceiver. It's just like a black and white smoke fighting each other. <laughs> I'm sure the townsfolk oh. love this. Uh, so what'd you uh, get? So what'd you get? Uh, 26. Okay. Yeah, I think you hit him. For 13 damage. Okay. My so at this point... 17? Oh. That's, that's it. No, that's good. Go ahead. Keep going. He already looks a little bloodied. Okay. For eight, non-lethal. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's definitely bloodied at this point. 
Um, he sort of starts to look panicked looking around the crowd and he starts to try to run away from you. <laughs> and comment that's just gonna be like, he knows where the lich is. Don't let him escape. It's just like ready to like slap him in the head, like just shake him. Like he does not know. <laughs> he has no idea we're talking about Darzak. This is being ridiculous. How would I know that? I don't even speak giant. <laughs> he must know. Why would he try to run? Because you're trying oh. to kill him. No, he he was gonna attack me first. I'm so defending and bleeding. He rushes through the crowd, shoving people aside. Um, and as he does so, you can tell that a, a group of the ogres have arrived, see him rushing off bloody and bleeding. And as they do so, they stop the ogre and about 60, 80 feet away, he points back at your group and the whole group of them get like a good eyeball on you. And then they all start to march off in the same direction back towards the market. I'll cast darkness on them. Just like You're really party. taking this whole like just is this, is this just like is this just Vegas for Jarzak? What happens <laughs> in Gallad Bay stays in Gallad Bay. You think this won't come back to you that the King of the Orcs showed up and started assailing the innocent? <laughs> just they didn't speak my language. <laughs> so I started popping them. So I started blasting. Um so you cast darkness on that trio. Yeah, I'll do it towards where they're walking, so like they're in it for maximum amount of time. Okay. Did you want to try to do it before they could point you out? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would do it as soon as I could. All right, let's try an initiative roll on that to see if you could beat them to it. Probably not. Ten. Oh, look at that! So Jarzak, seeing that the group were probably going to look back at him clicks darkness on them they are completely engulfed in darkness uh how does jarzag uh now behave with a moment uh guys we should go okay jarzag starts running the other direction very good going up another pathway to the marketplace taking the the very long and scenic route so what uh... like, yeah see clicka's plan was dumb this, this was way better. Walks off with Jarzak. Clinka knew what she was doing when she pointed out an ogre. <laughs> Fuck you. All I know is Jarzak would have looked so cool if he landed a crit and dropped an entire building on that ogre. <laughs> they would have known not to fuck with Gorgareth. We came here with one mission. I, I was one point away from critting, so... Imagine how, how fucking funny that would be just to like spawn a lighthouse and drop it on them and be like yeah. the king of the orcs means war. He summoned a lighthouse. Um, okay, so what's the party's next plan as they wait for the uh, heat to die down? And it comes to a point that once you go up into the market, it doesn't seem like anybody who is around recognizes you still. All right, well, we already tried Jarzak and Klika's plan, so it's uh, I guess Anton, and then we'll go back to Norhill. Norhill is sitting uh, in the inn by the fire. He's got a pot of tea <laughs> and a pipe. Oh you know, just waiting for everybody to come back, you know, from their shopping excursion. You know, maybe they set up a meeting with the sage as he suggested. 
Is that what he did? <laughs> I thought Nor Hill was here the whole justice. time. No, no. Good. yeah, no, I yeah, said Nor Nor Hill doesn't have any money to go to the market. <laughs> He'll stay at the inn so that you know, in case anybody's coming looking for the party, somebody from the party is going to be there. Okay. So with that, uh, the uh, Lady Engrid, the owner of the tavern, approaches you. She also seems to have uh, very, very bright blonde hair uh, pulled into a very intricate system of braids down her back. But her simple clothing looks rather extravagant and beautiful for what it is. But she comes over to you to bring you the boiling water for your tea. And she says, I haven't seen a dwarf in these parts in quite a long time. What is your reason for being here, if you don't mind me asking? Well, if you don't mind me saying, uh, we've come as a sort of coalition. A horrible tyrant has risen up in our land, and we've come seeking allies. She sort of nods and she says, I take it you're from Amaroth. She says, I've heard much of the war going on, but I'm afraid we don't get many details from your part of the world. Well, I would be happy to answer any questions if... You might uh, point me in the direction of somebody who can put us in touch with a singularly excellent magic user. Uh, we, we have need oh, that... somebody very well trained in the mystic arts. She says, I'm going to go fix you a sandwich, and I'll come back with an answer to that. There's a couple of old eccentrics who hang out here by the other fireplace, and I think they might have an idea or two. Take your time. So she comes back with this like sort of shaved venison sort of looking sandwich with very extravagant pungent cheese on top. And when she brings it back over to you, she says, this is a a local favorite. I don't know if it'll appeal to dwarven sensibilities, but there is indeed a, a wizard in this land. He's not one that many give a lot of credit to being a halfling and not many halflings are given a lot of respect in this part. But his name is Yuli. Yuli the Green. He lives just outside of the town. He's got a small tower off to the west. It's uh, dangerous to go out there, especially this time of year. So I would recommend if you do go, stay armed. Hmm. Uh, that is surprising. The weather seems quite fair. Indeed. It makes banditry that much easier. Ah, now I understand. Um. My party is often well armed, and uh, we have, we've seen our share of touches. I assure you, we will be safe. Charzak comes running in, half on fire. <laughs> like <laughs> whatever he tells you, it wasn't me. Um, okay. So I I suppose that's. I mean, unless you wanted to keep talking to her about stuff, it seems like Norhill did a lot of the heavy lifting already. Yeah, I mean, you know, Norhill will, you know, swap news and stuff like that. Okay. So, um, she takes you in for your character and recognizes that you are a very honest and to the point person. And so she seems to, I don't know, how do I say this? It feels like you can tell the more she talks to you and the more you give her information, the more she opens up and seems to be willing to kind of sort of lower her guard a little bit and it seems like she starts to open up more to you as a person and she comes back with more to drink after your sandwich and all that but yeah i think that's good for good for now with that exchange yeah so back to our classic trio of uh troubled travelers um 
So Anton was in that group, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very well. I just want to make sure I didn't mess that up. And it's like, no, Anton's at the church. Like, when did we get a church? When did this happen? <laughs> Who's manning the church? So what what is the party going to do now that the heat's died down a little bit? I think it's just going to do some souvenir shopping for everybody back in Anton. Okay. Yeah, there's plenty of places to get little baubles and, and knickknacks and things like that. Bits of like a um seashells and whatnot um sort of bottles of like sea foam and stuff that take on a very strange mother of pearl kind of look to it um many things of like fish teeth are strung up on string uh, making different intricate patterns painted glass and whatnot it's a you know it's a port town so there's a lot of knick-knack stuff to be sold perfect this is yeah so let's grab some of that for everybody back home Maybe okay. like a bone flute for um, Dundalin, some sort of charm she can hang off of one of Kick's legs, some bone dice for uh, Ock, maybe a ceremonial bone dagger for Yukalis, that kind of stuff. Okay. So there so seems we'll to be a lot total. of whale bone stuff. Yeah, we'll say that in total it costs you about 20 gold pieces done and it's all really nice stuff i figured that would probably be the kind of thing that she'd be into yeah um okay so what about the uh rest of the trio here what's anton thinking about all this i think anton's trying to keep an eye on jarzak so he doesn't do something stupid again Oh, hey. Yeah, we said it was your turn. <laughs> if you have an idea, we'll follow you now. We already did click on Jarzax. Well, maybe we should just follow Norhill's advice and see if there's either a library or a sage, something of a historic or mythical nature that can help them get a little bit more information on the whereabouts and the details of the Lich. Uh, well, last time Kleeka went to a library, she met her dad. Her dad's probably not going to be at this library if they have one, so that'll be an easier experience. We'll see. But, but is it, how can I just talk to like any random guard and ask him to wait to the library? Is it as simple as that? Yeah. We could also go to the okay. other inn. They're definitely hiding something. God, Jarzak, what do you have against these guys? They're they're keeping the truth from us. What the truth? guards don't want us that they're in. They won't tell us where the witch is. Jarzak, I mean, Anton would have told us if that guy said anything about the lich, I think. Well, I don't know what he was saying. He was just mumbling stuff. I don't he, know. He wasn't saying anything about the Lich Jarzak. He was honestly confused why you were attacking him. He was going to attack me. Did you not see? I'm just going to say it was not the situation you thought it was. That's all. Yeah, he, he's protecting the Lich. Maybe. But so anyway... Well. Anton approaches a guard and asks for a library. 
Um, the man looks a little bit confused and says there is a chronicler in town who sort of tracks daily events and whatnot, but he seems to work for the Lord, um, Amthar. So you could definitely meet with him, but he may be busy doing other things. Got it. Is there anything like a religious end, like a wise men, or do, I don't know if they have a church religion, just something to help us get a little more information. Yeah, I mean, there is... More. There is a church here. It's um, not too far from where you guys are on the wharf. Um, the the guard tells you that they worship the goddess Lytheria. And Lytheria, from what you know, just as a cleric in this world, is the lawfully neutrally aligned goddess of winds and beauty. Okay. Let's head over there. Okay. So as you head over there, you can tell that this place looks like many of the other structures uh, in the city. Uh, the one big difference is that there are a few different sort of um, like pluming tubes that seem to come out of the place. And as you approach, every time a wind kind of whips overhead, you can hear the sounds going over the tubes and going through them, making something of like a chord sound so the sound of sort of like a pipe organ i guess off the wind and it seems kind of almost like a harmonica where it's like the breathe and breathe out of it lets out different tones but for what it's worth it's very sing-songy and very nice coming in at a bunch of different pitches as if stroking over like a keyboard as the wind blows and as you approach and enter the church it's very solemn and quiet inside and it seems like there's not too many people uh putzing about in here but as you enter um, a woman comes immediately over to you guys and she looks to be only about the age of 18 or so. Um, she does not look particularly old at all and her hair looks to be the color of like a wet sand. She approaches very kindly and says, welcome to the church of Lytheria. How may I help you? Thank you for your welcoming us into your holy home. We are travelers in hopes of getting some information where I don't want to cause any disturbance or fear. I don't know how your people come about this, but we hear there is a lich in the area who may be able to provide us some assistance in the so land of Amra. She, she definitely looks shocked at the mention of this, and she kind of like fixes her poise and says, I think if we are to speak of this, we must speak of it in greatest respect. Many have died at the hands of this being. And so if we are to speak of this being, I think it is to be only in a very, very neutral way. Many suggest that even speaking his name in this land is enough to awaken it and the dark curses that come from it. I would ask that we do not say his name. What information do you wish to know? Um, anything really. Well, how long has this being been here? She says, I am not entirely sure of how long he has been here, but I am sure that he has been here longer than the city. And we have fought an uphill battle against him and his forces for a very, very long time. 
And if we had not put up all of the different defenses that we have for the city, and if we had not done well to avoid the plains to the north and the mountain ridge that he calls his home, if we had not done these things, we surely would not have gone as far as we have to this day. Does he actively go after this city? And she begins to walk you guys further into the church and walks you over to uh, a set of pews where she sits you down and she says, he is not like us. He lives outside of the dimensions of time. He lives perpetually. And so whenever we discuss him and his actions and his plans, we must remember that what may appear like our successes and victories may just be him losing interest for this current time. I don't think ever we are to be uh, regarded as safe from whatever he could do. And I think that whatever it is you need this information for, you need to remind yourself that it is likely you would never win. If that is why you have come to this place, I need to warn you now, first and foremost, as a lady of the gods, that I do not condone any sort of behavior related to attempting to destroy this being, nor do I condone any behaviors of, of going to his lands. If for some reason his ire is invoked by this act, it will fall directly upon us, and we cannot in any way defend ourselves from such a great and powerful being. Do I make myself clear? Very clear. Thank you for the warning. She says, I only give you this warning because it seems that every summer season, a new group of adventurers come to my place and ask questions similar to this. Everybody seeks the fortunes. Everybody seeks the glory. And yet, all they seek is an early demise. And she looks at Anton, who's clearly much older than herself and Klika and Jarzak, and just says, I don't know why you need this information, but I would hope that you respect that whatever it is that you plan on doing will likely have reverberations that will affect us. Just so we can understand, you mentioned parties go after this being on a regular basis. Has it been common that whenever they leave? Your your town is your city is attacked. Well, for what it's worth, it's not it's not often that we believe that people actually even reach his dreaded lair or cross the channel of blood. We suppose that many of the natural beings to the north also feel the reverberations of his unholy terror. So it wouldn't surprise me if those who walk with the elk also try to fend off those who travel north. And it would not surprise me if many are killed by those neutral creatures of the wastes. The reverberations that come back and affect us, again, could be as a punishment for those adventurers having reached their destination, or it could just be the raw evil energies awakening the dead and sending them our way. But I can say that in my 18 winters I've been here, I have seen my fair share of innocents die 
I've seen my fair share of villages raised. And I've seen far too much bloodshed thanks to an unholy being such as himself. But I like to think that the fear and our defensiveness have made us a vigilant, proud, and stronger people. Perhaps I'm problematically optimistic about this. But I do feel that we grow as people with such great adversity. Understood. Oh, that's a very good way for your town to stand. Just uh, looking to Jarzak and Kliha, he said, and he looks at him and is like, do you have any questions? Who were the um, people who walk with the elk? To an outsider, they are a monstrosity, an abomination, a crossing of men and the elk. To us, they are also proud and noble beings with only one desire, and that is to protect their own. The reindeer who migrate through the north are well protected by those that walk among them, and their protectors are vigilant, and they are strong, and they are ruthless with their cause. Some say that they were created in a natural pact some say they are still just druids and shapers in the wilderness. But I've never seen one in my own eyes, but from what I've been told, they have a bipedal build like a man, but about the size of an ogre. But they seem to be half reindeer themselves. And is there any way to... Will they communicate peacefully with us if we come across them? Should we just avoid them? Well, their primary purpose is to defend their their migrating herd. So I suppose as long as you don't pose any sort of threat to them, perhaps you can peacefully get past them. But I don't think that they have any real reason to communicate with you. And if they did, I'm sure it would be very difficult for you to ever have the capacity to speak their language. I apologize for speaking out of, you know. I'm sorry, that sounds rude of me. I just don't assume you'd ever have the ability to speak their language. Uh, it's, it's alright. Click is able to do a lot of things that surprise people. He's built different as Jarzak starts speaking infernal again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the church. Yeah, Krika stabs him in the thigh with flicker. God damn, that's that's rough. Jesus, that escalated. Fucked up to do that so, in church. Did anybody else want to do anything in here? How long of a journey is it is it to the through the plains and to the mountains is that around a week he says well because of the melt and being summertime it'll be a lot easier for you to travel that way but unfortunate for you as it sounds like you are not going to heed my warnings and you will travel that way i suppose i cannot control you or tell you otherwise, 
But I'm happy to say that the location of such a place is kept secret. Very few people actually know this place's actual true location. And unless you can persuade one of the few people who know, I'm afraid you're going to spend a long, long time wandering the wastelands to the north trying to find it. I'm supposing you won't tell us of those select people. As a citizen of this town and a person who cares about people here, I cannot bring myself in good moral conscience to to tell you anybody who would know such a place. But I think you have enough imagination among the three of you to decide, or at least to figure out who might know such things. Jarzak, it's not the ogres. Jarzak cuts Jarzak off before he says anything. Uh, Yeah, I wasn't going to say that. She she kind of picks up on this and she says, have you had run-ins with the ogres? Yeah, they seem to be hiding information about him. So you were going to say that. After you say that, and she looks a little bit like caught off guard by you saying that, and she says, how long have you been here? Uh, We just kind of got here. Why? He looks a little perplexed by this and stands up and says, I don't have very much I can tell you beyond this. If you need any sort of spells or healing or anything like that, we can provide such services in exchange for a donation. But I'm afraid that's about all I can tell you. I wish you the best of luck for whatever it is that you decide to do. And I hope that whatever you decide to do is made in good conscience. Wait, so they are hiding something? Charzak? She says, I am not at liberty to speak on behalf of them, but I will say you would know better than to cross paths with the ogres, especially if they're ogres who are not willing to work with the humans here. She looks you guys back and forth, and she kind of, again, maybe it's because it's Kliga, but she seems to be a little bit sort of like pulling back the curtain on this one and she approaches again she leans in and she says all I can tell you is do not cross the Gnarlbone gang there are ogres here who do not like the way that the government is structured and they do not like the Lord Amthar if you anger any one of the ogres in town there's a very good chance that you could anger the entire mob and you would not last long here Their reaches go far and deep. And when I tell you that they have friends in very, very, very cold and awful places, I mean it. Uh, Thank you. That's good to know. We will avoid them. Whatever you do, do not anger them and do not draw any attention to yourself that you don't have to. Oh, yeah, we will. We will steer clear. Thank you. If, if I may ask, are the ogres, have they been here long? Uh, she says the ogres have been here as long as anybody else have. The islands to the north where you guys are, Fearmore and the other ones, um, that chain there, um, they 
they're like islands completely dominated by giants. Humans are actually the ones who kind of moved in. But the island of Firamore has had pretty well exchanges with them. So the ogres have lived a pretty okay life with them. Fairbeegs also live in this general area, but being stupider, they kind of don't do well in society like that, which is saying a lot since ogres do fine. But yeah. Um, just one last question. It, you wouldn't happen to know if there's a teleportation circle in town. Her eyes kind of like, I don't want to say boggle a little bit at the question. She says, I beg your pardon. Like, you know, a pre-existing teleportation circle set up by a mage that can be used by he other says, mages. There's, there's really only one mage that I know of in this town. And even then, he lives outside of the town in the outskirts. He's not really much respected. But his name is Yuli. Yuli the Green. And if anybody would know of a teleportation circle, I suppose it would have to be him. But unfortunately, I think the only other person who might have a teleportation circle is the one you seek. Oh, well, that'll be convenient. Do you have a fast pass? <laughs> um okay that way if we become yeah. friends click can come visit anytime just <laughs> pop <imagine>. in <laughs> hey you awake you're doing lich stuff you want to hang out <laughs> everyone else is asleep but i couldn't sleep do you want to hang out <laughs> you just he's like listen <laughs> Just because you figured out what my phylactery is, you don't get free reign to harass me. <laughs> Tell me a story. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with that, uh, the party leave the church? Yeah, I'm good here. Staring yeah. dar- daggers at Jarzak. For... It's like, the one fucking person you had to attack. <laughs> He's just the son of the Dawn Ogre. <laughs> I like thinking about what the Dawn Ogre would sound like speaking giant. Just <laughs> <laughs> But he's like, wait, no, hold on. More Marlon Brando. Just... <laughs> like, except he has to put a whole like freaking cantaloupe in his mouth instead of an orange. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, that makes it easy to kill that guy. All we gotta do is have him just run around in a freaking in a <laughs> yeah, right there, man. Okay, um, so the party what head over to the same tavern that Norhill's been at? Yeah, yeah the first ship home. Okay, so with that, uh, Norhill seems to have already slain many plates of sandwiches, finding that the delicate pickled fish and venison to be found up here in the north is actually very appealing to a dwarven sentiment. So it seems like uh, Norhill's found like a second home in the north, and he's just probably picking out on it. Uh, He found that they also have pickles, but they have very strange and weird vegetables that they've done it to. So it's it's pretty okay, though. Are any of them hot? Yeah, I was going to say, do they serve any of them heated? Just (laughs) pouring some hot water over the... yeah. (laughs) Um, it seems like they've taken a lot of um, 
like seaweed, like the big thick corks of seaweed, like the the ones that go really deep, and they've pickled them off into like rings. So they make for like little like you know how they make like gummy peach rings. They're kind of like that, but it's just pickled like sea vegetable. It's okay. It's not that great, but really it definitely good. yeah. But um, okay. And so I imagine Norhill's just snarking on those thingies at the at the fire with his toesies up in front of the fireplace. Uh, what would you guys like to do as you walk in and see him there? Oh, greetings. How was the market? Klinka's idea didn't work, but no one got hurt. It gives a big thumbs up and walks to get a plate of food. Uh, Jarzak's idea didn't work either. <laughs> that just walks. <laughs> oh, well, that's unfortunate. Let's say we found we received some warnings from the church regarding our person of interest so as the uh evening begins to fall and Kliga goes to grab a plate the innkeeper asks you guys if you'd be staying the night and getting uh, getting rooms yeah i think this is where we're gonna spend the night okay so she says that because norhill has been a very nice guy um She's willing to offer you guys a pretty good discount. Five gold for the entire party to eat and sleep here for the night. Lika leans in. I know he's really nice, but he's got a wife and kid at home, so don't let him put the moves on you. And gives a wink. Ew. (laughs) And so, as she uh, sort of notices that you guys are all in a group together, she walks over to you guys as a little hangout where you're sitting next to one corner of the uh, the hearth there. And she comes over and says, now, being that I can trust him, I imagine I can trust all of you. I uh, figure if you're asking questions about the locations of things and you're running into some trouble around here with the uh, ogres, I figure I owe it to you to tell you that there's a different way. Okay? I happen to know some people. Some important people in the guild. And she sort of looks you guys left and right, assuming maybe one of you had already heard of the guild. Which Anton had heard the ogre shout back that some boys from the guild were attempting to kill him. So, yeah, Anton's heard of the guild. Um... And with that, she says, there's a new rise coming to Gallad Bay. New people are looking to take over. Okay? People like you would do well in our civilization. People like the ogres, not so good. Lord Amthar, not so good. And so I think the first thing I got to tell you guys, and suddenly... The front door to the establishment bashes open and a group of five ogres come pummeling in, shoving each other aside, belching and shoving as they do. People standing around and people eating at the tables immediately split and run for it. And one of the ogres, who looks like he's had his ribs pretty well bruised by a big metal uh, spear, (laughs) uh, points in at the table over by the fireplace at Jarzak and the rest of them. And he points in with a stumpy finger (laughs) and he starts to bark out in giant and says, it was him. Let's splatter some heads. Jarzak cast darkness and runs in. 
now that's where I'm ending the episode. Fuck, you can't just do that. <laughs> I mean, I, as soon as uh, the, it, it got ripped open, I was going to cast darkness. But you, <laughs> okay, we'll keep. Okay, fucking for the next episode, we'll remember that. Okay, good. Well, anyway, that's where we're going to end it. Thank you. Goodbye. Hey, everyone. I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons.